so we had enough. Um, next year, we will have enough, and we're going to be right back in the same situation, and uh, we're going to get it done. That's Jimmy Butler leading off this week's DC Sports Huddle. I am Rob Whitfork, stretched and ready to uh, do this uh, tip off here. And George Wallace, the coach, is here, as is Dave Preston, who's a virtual lock to make some sort of dad joke about the heat and nuggets. Did you have to look down when you looked down at your phone to see no, who, I'm, who, yeah, who, no, who I'm we were? At yes. the, no, I'm looking at the rundown, but I mean, I should write down the things that I say about Dave because I have to be very careful. No, 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 no. You were saying, oh. you said my name. Sli- he's very you sleepy. Said, yeah. And then you look down at your phone, and then, then that's Dave well, Preston. Yeah, because you have to, you, you've been doing this long enough to know. you got to anticipate the next move. You can say things while you're going to the next thing. All right. And you know what the next thing is? Jimmy. The NBA Finals. Uh, you're going to keep doing that, aren't you? He's going to do The NBA thing. Finals yeah. <laughs> it will feature Jimmy Butler and the Miami Heat up against the uh, the Denver, Denver, Denver Nuggets. Nuggets. Yeah, they're, 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 yo, yeah, them yeah because we haven't seen them in a week, and and also they're just an utterly forgettable team if you take uh, you know the big man out of it. Uh, Jokic, Jokic. I, I always him too. Look, I always mix up. Look, I, I, I see Jokic, yes. and then I um, start to say Jokic. Oh, I didn't think you. Were Why? Say what did you think I was going to say? You think I was going to say something? No, I thought you were going to say. Uh, Doncic, you mix up, you mix him up with uh, the other guy, Przingis. No, no, no. no. <laughs> who, who, who are we mixing up with? What, what are we doing here? Uh, uh, whatever. Go ahead. All right. Well, we're starting off the way the Boston Celtics ended the uh, NBA Eastern Conference Finals. How bad was that? Yeah, that was. It was bad. tough to stomach. And I'm looking dead at the Boston guy right now. Yeah, because tough one. Yeah. So you know when when you live uh, or when you grow up outside of a market that is used to winning championships, 17. Now for the basketball team, multiple ones this century for football and baseball and uh, another Stanley Cup for the Boston Bruins earlier this century. You have championship expectations and they have to figure out what's going on on and what's going wrong with that team. Unfortunately, their their head coach last year got popped for being inappropriate with uh, a mm-hmm. staffer, so they have to sort themselves out. Uh, they were in a, a tough position when you have to jettison your coach who just led you to the finals. Uh, that front office needs to figure out what's going on because if there's a front office that has things Right, it's the Miami Heat. Pat Riley, yeah. I think this is his sixth NBA Finals as a, as an executive. He was in 10 as a coach, and I think two or three more as a player, something actually, along those actually, lines. It's six? More, it's is it more, six as a player? It, it's actually more ridiculous than that. Okay. He's been, as a coach, as yeah, a player, right. as an executive, 19 okay. NBA Finals. 25% of the NBA Finals he has been a part of. That's nuts. A full quarter. Yeah. He was also in one of the most significant uh, high school basketball games of all time. He played on the team that I think they either upset or they almost upset Power Memorial, which had Lou Alcindor on it back in the mid-60s. And then he was on the Kentucky team in 1966 that lost in College Park to Texas Western, the first uh, NCAA champion to feature five uh, African-American starters. So this is a guy that when you write the history of basketball, Pat Riley comes up multiple times. He was on oh, yeah. the 69 win. Lakers team of 1971-72, yep. uh, obviously Showtime, obviously the Knicks and the uh, the dumbing down of basketball in the 90s and just turning uh, things uh, ugly in, in, in that uh, decade. But uh, then he found a career resurgence with the Heat. And uh, as an executive, he is the Fonz. And, uh, you know, Eric Spolstra is the uh, – yeah, he coached he coached, them. Yeah, because yeah, Stan Luka Van Gundy – That's who I was thinking of. Doncic? Doncic. Luka. You were, I thought that's what you were going to say by Jokic. 
Luka. Jokic, no, it's, it's Jokic and Jurkic, and I always, okay. I right. always, I was screw thinking up. I call one the other. Okay. I do it all the time. Sorry, but there's there, but <laughs> there's a front office that does stuff right, and um, oh, yeah. and and the Celtics need to figure out their front office. Uh, you know, Brad Stevens has, has done a decent job, but they need to find the right coach in place. Much like the Wizards moving forward, need to have the right front office in place if they want to hope to be a contender instead of. An annual pretender. And the thing is, you you hope they don't rush to judgment with the Celtics and blow the team. I mean, Jalen right. Brown, you pick up the op- is it option or is he got, he got I an think option? it's an option or something along. And those I mean, lines, they're yeah. young, they're good, and I mean, yes, they've been in what are the seven conference finals late, whatever it is. And it, it, yes, the Heat's beat them two of the last four years, but they're constantly there, and it's still that team is still built to win. I mean, I don't think right. you need to you know blow it up. Just yet, you know, I don't think you need to blow it up, but I don't think Joe Missoula is the guy. I was just about to say that. Yeah. I, I think that's maybe that's what where you look at. If he Dude, were to be bring fired, Doc Rivers back. Oh gosh, if oh, if wow. Missoula were to be fired today by the Celtics, how many NBA teams would snatch him up? I mean, somebody I, who's rebuilding, maybe. Yeah. I honestly or, don't think. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't. You think it'd be a lot or a little? I think I think a little. I don't think he's I think, a championship winning. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Co- yeah no. I don't. I don't think he's a championship. At this stage of his coach. career, no. Yes, if you're starting fresh and you yeah. need somebody the, who has some sort of pedigree, then what's the Greg Popovich school of in-game interviews? By the way, can we just get rid of the in-game interviews? <laughs> They're so bad. It's just, he, so he, he bad. Gave one word answers. First of all, you, there's too much access. And look, this is I'm going to come off like the old guy. You know, get off my lawn. Fine, whatever. But I miss the days where you gave a. Even if you gave a pregame one, but you give a postgame and that was it. Yeah. Don't come talk to me in the middle of working. What yeah. if somebody wanted to come ask us questions in the middle of sportscasts? Right. They do that sometimes. That's because you answer the phone. Exactly. That's true. <laughs> well, that's, what? That's, what that's, I. I mean, the thing is, and, and you're right. It's 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 nice to. There's the appeal of looking behind the curtain, but I think there's too much into that. It's like after all, you just want to watch the game. Yeah, and when they have the interview over highlights of uh, over the actual game that's being played, it's it just it gets annoying. I mean, with baseball, they're interviewing guys who are in the outfield, you know, yeah, yeah, during I, the play, yeah, right. which that. I don't need. Yeah, 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 nobody needs that, and I don't know who thought that was a good idea. All right, so we talked about the Celtics losing, but let's give the Heat their credit. Yeah, that was oh, a team yeah. that was steady. They didn't blow up. And here's the thing: this is a statistic that drives me crazy right here. They've played seven undrafted players this postseason. That is the most for a finals team in the modern draft era. So, I mean, they are piecing together basically spare parts. Pat Riley. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So so you cannot blame the fact that you don't have a top 10 draft pick or that you don't yeah. luck oh, out oh, by yeah. getting a number one yeah. selection. You can, Yes, you need superstars. Yes, yep. you need players who perform above maybe their their top 15 selection or top 20 selection, but you can piece together a roster with guys. you you got to find them, yeah. but there are guys out there who can play, and I think the, the key with the Heat is that they, the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. Mm-hmm. Celtics, the whole is less. Than yeah. the sum of its parts. They have and very talented yes. players. And they were they winning games on talent. The games they won, yeah. they were winning on talent. That's Correct. it. There was no sort of. Yeah, I mean, that Hawks series went way longer than it should have. My Last mother. Night, you start off 0 for 10 from three. Mm. Okay, let's Stop switch, switch yeah. things up. Let's attack the basket. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just clank, clank, clank. Just zero offense. 
Zero. Ch- uh, Charles Barkley was great at halftime. Yeah, oh, he's great. He goes the watching time. these sorry ass Celtics is driving yeah. me crazy. Like that was great. It was hilarious. <laughs> my mother, who lives just outside Manchester, New Hampshire, uh, in Bedford, and uh, my brother watched the you know every game together and whatever, and we're all you know, it, we came to the conclusion that they uh, the Celtics this year gave away at least one game per series. They should have been through with Atlanta in five. Yep. yep. They should have been through with Philly in six. Yep. And they could have beaten Miami in seven, but because they kept on giving away a game, it fi- it finally came back to haunt them. I would make the case that they shouldn't have even gone seven. If yeah. they, they should have, I think they should have won in won six. They should have won in yeah. six of the first three games. You're right. not in the 0-3 hole, and yeah. now you're in a position where you can finish it rather than be on the. I just look at how bad. The game, yeah, just look at how bad like the games one and two at home. Yeah, you go right in the toilet. Yeah, then okay. I mean, three, they didn't even show up. No. no. And yeah. then you tried to lose six. Yeah. <laughs> right? You basically did. You yeah. did. Yeah. So it's just like, you know, I, I don't know. They should have been out in six. Good. I mean, the thing is, if I, I was okay. I gave them the mulligan for losing game one at home because you're you're coming off an, an emotional okay, seven-game series. Right, but seven you've game. got to get your act in gear for game you two, and they did not. Two. Oh, yeah. game so two. That was the one they were up double digits, so and they blew the lead. So there's a disconnect between the coach yeah. and the stars and the rest of the team, yeah. and they got to find the right guy who can push the right buttons. You said something, though, that brings this discussion home to the Wizards. And that is, you don't have to have a top 10 pick, mm-hmm. or if no. you do, you don't have to have the number one pick uh-huh. in order to build a champion. So, right now, you're looking for a new general manager. Bob Myers just stepped down in Golden State. I mean, he took second round picks, undrafted guys, and turned them into glue guys for championship right. contending teams. I mean, they were in the finals basically every other year that he was there. Yeah, but- so, do you open up the coffers? And I know this isn't really in the DNA of Ted Leonsis, but do you swing for the fences and get that guy? I think yes, but is Bob Myers going to come here and not be the boss? Yeah, because, I mean, they just they hired a team I mean, president. Is the, but yeah. Myers is winger, really. Yeah. And he's been, he was kicking his ass in L.A. for how many years? It's like, let's join forces, yeah. you know? So, I don't I mean, know. I, I, yes, no-brainer, sure. But is that is he a guy that, unless he wants a different... No, but here's the thing. Um, and, and we're referencing Winger, the uh, the new team president that was hired last week. And he is going to be the top ba- uh, basketball executive for all three of the monumental right. basketball properties. The Wizards, in- the Mystics, and the Go-Go. So is he in charge of the video game guys too? Is, <laughs> yes. that, is, 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 is he under his? That, that's a good question. They, we should we, we should ask that. But uh, yeah. So yeah. So I mean, you could get Myers in here under the you know guise of hey you're yeah, yeah. you can you can run this show. Winger can then sort of keep his purview on the mystics. on the Mystics and even the Mystics. I mean, you've yeah. got uh, Mike Tebow in the yeah. front office there. Mm. Right. So it's like he might have the easiest gig in the world if they yeah. can have such great GMs uh, running each of those teams. So I don't know. I would love to see that move because it would tell me, it would signal to me as somebody who has watched this team, who's covered this team, who has rooted for this team, it would tell me that y'all are serious about getting off this treadmill of mediocrity. Mm-hmm. I agree. Otherwise, you have to make a call. You got to um, at least find out. Otherwise, if you get some guy who used to work for Ernie back in the day, then you're telling me that you're okay with just being in the play-in tournament. And oh wait, we else. did that already, right? Yeah, no. <laughs> did that a no, few times. It's been done. <laughs> did that a few times. Yeah. So the teams that are actually playing here, the NBA Finals, that basically nobody wants, Denver versus Miami. I mean, it's look, it's another 
case study in rest versus momentum, right? Because Denver's been idle for nine days now. They completed the sweep of the Lakers. The the Heat had to go the full distance with the Celtics, so they're only going to have, what is it, three days? Uh, three days off, two days in between games. So in the debate of rest versus momentum, I've always been a momentum guy. I think this plays to the Heat's favor, at least initially, right. because they still have the momentum of having come off of a win. They're in a rhythm in which they're, you know, they they actually get an extra day off than you do when you're playing a series because it's just one day in between games. Yeah. Now you have a couple of days off. You can rest up. You can uh, get back Tyler Hero, who's expected to be back, you know, maybe as early as games one or two, but really I mean, they're targeting up. game three. As long as we don't have to look at him in the, the outfits anymore. <laughs> <That's fine>. Yeah. <laughs> but here's to your point. They play Thursday and then not till Sunday. Right. So you're going to play one game in that. Right. What was what did they win Monday night? So Tuesday, yeah. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Yeah. So six one game in six days. But I think to your point, game one they may have momentum. But then once Denver gets going, right, I think it's over. And that's but, the yeah. thing. It's so I I expect the Heat to take game one, and they've been a scrappy team. You, yeah. you know, you steal home court advantage. Now it's right. a different kind of series. What are you seeing, Dave? Preston? I think this goes six games at least. I think I, I think Agreed. just the fight of the Heat, even if they lose game one, because. Yeah, they're you know overspent from you know winning a tough seven game series and uh, Denver's rested and they're not. I still think they win one of the first two yeah. in Denver. I could easily see them uh, this being a six game series, uh, and we're gonna you know we're gonna find out how good the Nuggets are because you know even though it's unfortunate that they're not a name team like Golden State or the Lakers, and they've you know, the Nuggets have always kind of been there. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's like, even though they've had some very good teams over the years, and they've had some fantastic players from the 80s onward, I used to love those old video game uni- uh, like uniforms oh, in the early 80s. So bad. <laughs> I hated the Nuggets. Fat for Lever that was my favorite player for a while. He oh, was awesome. Uh, you know, uh, What's amazing to me is that they every time that they have gone to the Western Conference Finals, every single time they have faced the Lakers. And yeah. then that was just the mountain they couldn't get over. Mm. And now they finally do. It's an emphatic sweep. I mean, it reminds me, only in this vein, of those uh, Bulls of the 90s where they kept getting beat by Pistons. the Pistons. Mm. And then they swept them out. And it was like this huge relief that you finally got by them. Yeah. And then, I mean, it was a gentleman's sweep of the finals, uh, that first title where they uh, beat, beat the, Lakers the Lakers in five, right. yeah, and they barely and they lost, lost game. game one. Yeah, so I mean, I could see a similar scenario playing out for the Denver Nuggets here. In that, okay, maybe they'll lose the first game because you've been idle for basically ten days, but you drop that one, and now you just put the pedal to the floor, and we're the better team than the Miami Heat, and we're going to show it. But I, I would say, I would also say, I would say Nuggets in six. Is it 2-3-2? Yeah. The NBA Finals is 2-3-2, right? It's back to 2-2-1-1-1. Two, two, one, one, one. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. I think Nuggets in five. Nuggets in five? Okay. I do, wow. yeah. You really I just, just think, you really just hate Miami unless think, you're there partying. No, I love Miami. Oh, the, that part of it, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, you got to give Spolstra a heck of I mean, that yeah. dude. I mean, I'd give him Coach of the Year right damn uh, yeah. now for what he did in the— Again, you're, you're missing a key and player, his, a 20-point scorer. And his attitude— Right after Game Six, he's like, "I wish we'd go play right now." He goes, "We're fine. We're going to be fine." He told the team that, like, that's right. And look, and George, as a coach, how much do you think that that inspired the guys to yeah, go out if there? You're and not do panicking. It. That's it's huge. Yeah. And then just Missoula to me is just not inspiring. Like his whole speech yesterday, 
go out there and just make sure you're laughing and having fun like that. Just I don't know. He, he just rem- he, he just rubs me the wrong way. That's yeah, right. he's not even the oldest looking dude on the team. I know. No. <laughs> right, 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 right. But Reminds know, me of the coach Nuggets, from Teen Wolf. I think yeah. Nug- <laughs> he's just yeah. Playing, I don't know. He's playing yeah. a little ball here. Yeah. <laughs> I think Denver is really really good, and I think yeah with him, with with uh, Jokic and Murray and. I mean, I, I think there's going to be too much for him. See, now I want to call him Doncic or your or your Right, that's what I'm saying. Thanks, I, I, thanks, Rob. Yeah, exactly. This is messing me up. Uh, All right, so uh, so we gave our finals predictions. Uh, we're going to take a break real quick, and we're going to delve into the Capitals' hiring of Spencer Carberry as the head coach. Ben Raby set to join us. Uh, stand by. <laughs> All right, Ben Raby's with us now as we discuss uh, Capitals hiring Spencer Carberry to the uh, four-year contract to be the next head coach. What is this, 20 head coaches now? 20. uh, Capitals history. Uh, Ben, thanks for hanging out. You, of course, are the uh, host of the uh, radio shows for uh, the Capitals Radio Network. He does a lot lot of things. He does a lot of things for us, does a lot of things for uh, Monumental as well. So uh, your first impressions, uh, Ben Raby, on Spencer Carberry. Back with the crew here on the DC Sports <laughs> Title. Good to be back. Yeah, uh, you know what? No, no real surprise necessarily that this was ultimately the hire that was made. This was uh, an early favorite, if you will, going back to mid-April when we knew there was an opening. Why was Spencer Carberry a favorite? Certainly, his history with the organization. He's coached, you could say, the equivalent of Double A and Triple A. He coached the team's ECHL and AHL affiliates, so he certainly has the history. With the organization, that's it. Spent the past two years as an assistant coach with the Toronto Maple Leafs. In other words, this is somebody who has certainly kind of worked his way up the food chain, head coach, assistant coach at various minor league levels, and then the assistant coach the past two years in Toronto. So this was kind of the final box for him to check as far as being a NHL head coach and doing so all of a sudden at the age of 41, the youngest coach in the NHL as well. But a history working with young players and relationships already built with the number of the Capitals youngsters. So uh, for all those reasons and really the, the history with the team, I think there were some signs pointing towards certainly this being a, a strong possibility. Ben, how much contact did you have with him while he was the head coach in Hershey? And did you see any seeds uh, in him back then that would lead you to believe that he could become an NHL coach at the age of 41 with the Caps right now? Yeah, a little bit of, of interaction. We used to see him every year. He, you know, he is the head coach of the Hershey Bears. He would be up with the team as far as training camp and preseason and even running a number of practices and behind the bench even as head coach for a number of preseason games. And that tells you as well, not only the familiarity with the prospects he would have worked with in Hershey, but, you know, he and, let's say, Alex Ovechkin or Nick Backstrom, they're not exactly strangers. The interaction may have been limited to the occasional preseason practice, but certainly someone who would have crossed paths with those guys as well. And uh, relating, did we see, you know, any signs of a potential head coach aside from the resume and the, the one loss records in the minor leagues? I could tell you just from, from the brief interactions with him, uh, you know, just a, an easy guy to talk to, strong communicator, the scouting reports on the players that he said, you know, when you look back on him years later, were, uh, were, were, were pretty accurate, you could say, but certainly a guy who's had a good pulse on, on the team's prospects for several years. Now, this is a team, Ben, that basically is not going to uh, rebuild as long as Alex Ovechkin Mm -hmm. is on the roster. So for a team that's retooling, for a team that's basically on the fly trying to go from an aging team that missed the playoffs to 
a team that's, again, contending for Stanley Cups. How does this hire sort of help that approach? I will say the team is in a difficult spot. Objectively speaking, yeah. you know, you're trying to keep that championship window open. You've just missed the postseason for the first time in nine years. They're in a little bit of a, an unusual spot where, again, they're trying to remain a contender, but at the same time trying to incorporate – some younger pieces, which they haven't necessarily done very much of over the past few years, but I think there is an acknowledgement organizationally that it is time to start to get some younger legs and some fresher blood into the rotation and, and you know, becoming key cogs in the team. And, and that's where I think the hiring comes into play as well. You've mentioned off the top, it's a four-year contract. I think there's a little bit of a long-term outlook here for Spencer Carberry that he could grow along with some of these young players and players, again, who maybe aren't household names to casual fans, but guys who are going to be part of the regular rotation. Martin Ferravari on the back end, two years of NHL experience. Alexander Alexiev, again, not a household name, but on the back end. Saw a little bit of time this year. These are guys who are going to be regulars in the top six on the back end. Connor McMichael, the highly touted prospect up front. I think there's an appetite for him to finally become a full-time NHLer. Carberry worked with him extensively in Hershey going back a few years ago. So, again, I think you've got to take a long-term outlook with this, with Carberry. I think the leash will be a little long for him, uh, again, with that four-year deal and uh, an opportunity to, to grow along with, with some of the young pieces in place. Hey, Ben, how much, if any, did uh, Ovi get consulted about this? I think the company line, George, is that he gets consulted on a lot of these decisions. But, again, at the end of the day, they're not strangers, like I said. Yeah. I think they're, you know, the interactions may have been limited, but this isn't somebody who would have come entirely out of left field. I do find it a little ironic that Ovi's going to be 38 and the head coach is all of 41. Right. But, uh, you know, that'll be a new uh, something different for Ovechkin to, uh, to deal with. But, the, the, the one thing in all seriousness that I think Ovechkin has to be pretty excited about is he personally, you know, targets Wayne Gretzky's all-time goal-scoring record is one of the strengths of Spencer Carberry, at least at the NHL level the past two years in Toronto, is he worked with a power play unit in Toronto. That was sort of his baby in Toronto. He worked with the power play, and it's a power play in Toronto that the past two years combined under his watch ranked second overall in the league over that two-year span, and there's a lot of star power, a lot of headliners, a lot of egos, a lot of guys who want the puck on that power play unit, and Spencer Carberry managed to improve that power play unit immensely. Again, there was a lot of talent for him to work with, but it was a power play unit in Toronto that was kind of middle of the pack going back three, four years ago. And the Capitals, it's rare in these parts, but we're coming off a season where we're talking about a power play unit in Washington that – kind of hit a little bit of a lull this year. Yes, there were injury issues to consider, but a usual strength of the team, I think, could use a little, you know, freshening up, if you will. And I think Spencer Carberry could potentially provide some fresh ideas in that regard. And who could potentially benefit the most from that? Alex Ovechkin as he continues his goal chase. So, Something that bears watching, too, that power play and the potential improvement there. And, Ben, you have mentioned that it is a four-year contract, but we live on the short term here in D.C. And is that the most important uh, key to uh, 
you know, to getting a good start with the new coach and the new team, or is it something to do with uh, you know the forwards, you know, finding the right mix, uh, or is it finding the, the something to do with the uh, the the uh, defensive pairs? What is the key moving forward for him to hit the ground running for things to get off on the right foot? Yeah, I think it'll have to do with personnel too. I think there might be some tweaks as well as far as roster construction coming up, but. They looked at times, they looked slow, and they need to be faster. That's almost cliche to say, but in this young league now with so many young teams around them, up-and-comers, or sort of, you know, the New Jersey Devils this year had a great year. The Buffalo Sabres are on the rise. Ottawa, these are teams that are built on youth and speed, and they play fast with the puck, without the puck, et cetera. And at times the Capitals were exposed in that regard last year, and I think that will be – you know, on the shopping list this summer for Brian McClellan will be to add some not only youthfulness, but some speed as well and to play an up tempo game. It got away from them a little bit the past couple of years. So whether that has to do with Spencer Carberry or a little bit more with the roster construction, uh, I think they do go hand in hand, but there is an appetite for more of that almost youthful exuberance within the depth chart and, and not only for fringe players, but you know, for some of that youth to potentially see increased minutes and, and have an opportunity higher up the depth chart. So this is definitely a playoff team in 24 is what I'm hearing. That's what he said. <laughs> Playoffs are bust. I think he guaranteed a, it. They're going to be fighting for a playoff spot, guys. <laughs> I think everyone should should recognize that. So, um, so they're going to win a Stanley Cup know, as an eight seed is what I heard I mean, you say. Here's the thing, Ben. What is, so, <laughs> so fans, by the way, who you know, <clears throat> they win the Cup, Barry Trotz doesn't come back. I mean, everybody's still kind of recovering from that. <laughs> Right. Oh yeah. So fans that hear Spencer Carberry's name, yes, the hard, the diehards, hardcore fans familiar with his name from Hershey, and he's been in the organization. But what, what do fans have to get excited? Why should fans be excited about this hire? Well, I'll tell you this: the last time the Capitals went the Hershey route, and granted, he did spend the previous two years in Toronto, but the last time they got a coach who had been with the team in Hershey, uh, some guy named Bruce Boudreaux. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Bruce Boudreaux came to town. <laughs> And he had the prior relationships, not necessarily with the Ovechkins and Backstroms. He knew them, but the relationships were with some of the younger players. Mike Green was one of them. Mm-hmm. But the point is, he came in and he had the trust of some of these guys who maybe weren't necessarily getting a lot of ice time under the previous regime, who were still getting their feet wet in the NHL. And as much as they leaned, and they certainly did on the Ovechkins and Backstroms and Simmons during that Young Guns era, you still had to have those other pieces uh, those younger pieces around them as well. And and Bruce Boudreaux, you know, he got it done. He made the transition from Hershey to the Capitals. And here's another guy, you know, trying to do the same, albeit with the pit stop in Toronto. But, again, that taste of NHL experience, perhaps, uh, of value as well. It works for me. Hey. Yeah. All right. I believe it. So Stanley Cup as an eight seed. That's what I heard him say. So... <laughs> <laughs> So we're so so as we put a button winning on, NBA titles as ACC. No, uh-huh. no, and here's the thing, and it's like I, I have that image in my head because Ben Raby was uh, posting all these pictures he had with the Stanley Cup five years ago to the day they hire uh, this Spencer Carberry fella. All right, so real quick, uh, we just need to touch on commanders real quick. ESPN's Bill Barnwell did a story on ESPN ranking all 32 teams off seasons, and they gave Washington the number one spot mainly because there's going to be an ownership change from one of the most toxic people in the history of sports to basically literally anyone. Yeah, anybody. So do we feel like they've done enough on the field? And there were a couple of roster moves right before we came on here. Cam Dantzler was uh, released. He was here for maybe six minutes. 
And, uh, and March. Yeah. Well, I mean, all right, six weeks. Yeah. Did he even and, get a locker? Yeah. Uh-huh. I and mean, that's what I'm saying. I mean, they even give him a jersey number. So Cam Dantzler is already out. He was a guy they picked up on waivers to uh, help fill some needs at corner. And Andrew Norwell, who was probably one of the bigger name free agent pickups from last offseason, he's on the pup list and is likely going to be released when, whenever he's healthy enough to pass a physical and they don't have to be on the hook for his salary to do so. So that was supposed to be the guy that was taken over for uh, the departed uh, Brandon Sheriff. Yeah. So that's one of the bigger free agent acquisitions under Ron Rivera. I don't see enough out of this roster for me to think that they had, I mean, you can make the case. Yeah. They had a great off season because their, their draft was good. And obviously the ownership change makes them, at least it's not laughable for them to be yeah. a championship contender. But Ron Rivera, the GM, continues to undermine Ron Rivera, the head coach. I think these roster moves sort of signal that. Do you think, George Wallace, they've done enough for the roster to be the, no. the darling of the offseason? No, not really, especially not along the line. I mean, they have their weapons, sure. Yeah. Yeah, they have weapons, you know, in the backfield and and receiver and of course, quarterback's the big question, as it always is. Um, and even if that question is answered in the affirmative, I don't know that they have enough yeah. of a roster to compete. And this is the other thing. They don't play in the AFC South. They play in the NFC East, yeah. where everybody had a record at or above 500. <laughs> so you got to leapfrog the Giants. you got to leapfrog Philadelphia, who was in the Super Bowl. And I think anybody would objectively say, out of the two teams who were in the Super Bowl last season, they're the one that would be the most likely to go back because of the conference they're playing in. Yeah. You have to get over the Dallas Cowboys, who are a talented team that just doesn't do anything in the playoffs. So Cowboys are just good enough to frustrate the Washington exactly. fan base and to frustrate their own fan base. <laughs> They're just in so that, that is, world right there. Yeah, that is that is an interesting. There's still question marks. I mean, Leno's not here. What he's not an answer. Sadiq Charles. We've been waiting for him. He lined up at left the uh, left side the other day, and the consensus is if he's not good enough to start, he's not going to make the team. Like, and he wastes that until yeah. they don't start two and five. Or something yeah, along yeah. those lines. Yeah. I you, you can't buy them. You know, it's it's nice to you, you. You can be encouraged by offseason progress and roster building, and oh, they've got this guy. They, mm-hmm. Oh, they've got a good draft pick there. Oh, he looks great in shorts in in OTAs. Right. Or Sam Howell's throwing the cover off the ball. But until we see regular season production in September from these guys, where they're not having to, and you've mentioned this multiple times, where they start slow, it's akin to getting sacked on first down. Whereas the season faces a second and long Mm -hmm. as opposed to second and short. And until they get the season into a second down and short where they're three and two or they're four and two or they're maybe five, three and one. No, but here's the thing. Even when they look, I'm old enough to remember uh, what was that? The '96 season where they started seven and yeah, one. That seven was that two. was awful. Seven yeah. and one, seven and one. The oh, last year at RFK. Yeah, yeah, they started seven and one, and I was like, "Yo, yeah. they're about to win." And then they finished Not nine exactly. and seven, seven and yeah. didn't even make the playoffs. Yeah. So it's a matter of putting together a full season. Even if you get the fast start, right. are you going to be able to maintain it? Yeah. And the thing about Ron Rivera teams, he's going to have that hot streak at some point where they win four in a row, five out of six, six out of eight, or whatever that is. But then you can't have those stretches where you lose four right. in a row and right. where you start 0-5 or you finish out the season without winning against any of those. Uh, uh, what was the season when they had all those NFC East games at the end of the season Last and they won like one of them? Yeah, so, yeah. So I mean, you can't have those stretches. So 
I don't know, man. I mean, I, I haven't seen anything, and you're not going to see anything at OTAs, but no. I haven't seen anything out of this team that leads me to believe, oh, my God, this is a you know sleeping giant, to use that phrase yeah. that a lot of people have been using to describe them lately. This is a team that has to play their way into being a sleeping giant. You know, <laughs> This is a team that yeah. finished last this past season. And yeah. granted, yes, they finished 8-8-1, eight, eight, and one, but still – as you mentioned, three teams ahead of you, and you got to play each twice, and you have to beat other teams <laughs> that have made the playoffs recently too. So yeah. it's not it's it's not a cakewalk for this squad, and they have a quarterback who has played one regular season game yep. in the NFL, or a backup who wasn't wanted you know by his previous employers. So yeah. you got to find yourself this off season, and you got to uh, hit the ground running, and that's why that game against Arizona is so key. Because heaven forbid they lose that game. Yeah. It's going to be. You're in a must win. In oh, week it's going to be. Oh, it's going to be not but, good. But guess what? They're not in as bad shape as Green Bay, though, right? Ben Raby. Did he hang up? I think he hung. I up. think he hung. Up. All right. <laughs> Too soon. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> he also roots for Italy in the World Cup, so just just to cover his bases. He's still smarting from uh, Aaron Rodgers ditching him. Parting shot here from uh, Dave Preston. He was just at yeah. uh, College Park today. To uh, cover the uh, Maryland baseball team. Exciting weekend ahead for some local schools. Maryland and George Mason, both in the Winston-Salem Regional, but the big dog in the United States, uh, number one in the nation, uh, Wake Forest, is in that bracket. So it'll be a huge challenge for the Patriots and the Terrapins, each winning their respective conference tournaments to get to the uh, round of 64. Meanwhile, Virginia hosts its own regional in Charlottesville. So should be an exciting weekend uh, in college baseball in a spring where Local lacrosse was not as good as it usually is. Uh, as We're used to seeing Maryland and uh, the men and the women compete uh, in Final Fours. That did not happen this year. Virginia lost in the Final Four this past Saturday. So, uh, And who lost in the final? I forgot. Uh, you know what? <laughs> It, it was, ben, ben, son, ben, help me out. Monday, Monday was a great time because the Yankees fans who root for Duke basketball and Notre Dame football didn't know who to root for there on Monday. Go. There you go. Uh, also, I think Duke lost in the National Lacrosse Championship. To yeah. answer your question, sounds oh, thank yeah, you. sounds about right. Provide, like, sounds he, about you know. He, he just, no, he, he just likes the basketball. He just likes the basketball. Uh, he didn't even right. go there. All right, guys, this was a fun edition of the uh, DC Sports Subtle. Uh, signing off, Rob Woodfork here with George Wallace, Dave Preston, Ben Raby in his palatial estates and undisclosed. That's one who guaranteed the Stanley Cup. What? Ben's the one who guaranteed the Stanley he Cup. He is the one yeah. who guaranteed the He guaranteed the Capitals would win the Stanley Cup as the eighth seed in the Eastern Conference. Beautiful. Book it. Oh. If it doesn't happen, we will give you the address to his palatial estate then we'll at refund, an undisclosed location. We'll all your bets. Yeah. <laughs> Until the, ne- first. <laughs> Until the next time, guys, uh, break in the huddle.